Hello and welcome back. This is Andrew Levy. I have another podcast for you and it's dealing with something which uh, I get a little bit hot under the collar about, so I'll try not to rant in your ear, but perhaps you uh, share my thought and we can have a, a communal rant. And I'm going to rant about abuse of grievance procedures. They're badly drawn, badly uh, founded. People don't quite understand their history or what they were for, and they don't carry any notion in the procedure itself that it's not suitable for certain issues. Start with a bit of history. Why do we have grievance procedures? And I can say that I know the person who wrote the first grievance procedure in South Africa very well. It was, it was me. And I adapted it or adopted it because it was very common practice in British industry. It was meant to deal with collective issues. And the purpose was to provide a known channel which could deal with collective issues quickly and effectively and provide an alternative to wildcat strikes. We would call them unlawful strikes or unprotected strikes. So rather than strike, put it in the procedure, we'll all get together and we'll solve it quickly. Part of what was known, uh, certainly where where I worked, Ford Motor Company, as the talk-don't-walk sort of uh, policy. That's where they came from. They've begun to uh, expand. They are now accepted practice in most countries all over the world. They have grievance procedures, and also they've expanded to encompass individual grievances because frequently an individual grievance, if not dealt with, can spread and become a broader and a general grievance. Uh, And the grievance there would be if someone has something that's worrying them, the company doesn't give a damn. That's understandable, But let's look at some of the areas where the grievance procedure is not the proper vehicle for raising this issue. If you've got a well-drafted grievance procedure, it will actually have an exclusions clause. It will say that this procedure is not for the purpose of settling wage disputes, negotiating wages, or dealing with dissatisfactions about wages. It's not there to challenge disciplinary action by raising a grievance against the person who's bringing the action. It is certainly not there to deal with personal animosity between one employee and another. And equally, it is not suitable for circumstances where other procedures exist. Okay, so we need to have an indication of what they are not used for. The second thing is this, let me call it a silly notion, that fairness means that one procedure suits everybody or one procedure uh, must apply to everybody. We treat everybody equally. That's not what equality means at all. Equality means that we treat people in the same circumstance in the same way. And if you are in a different circumstance, then that justifies different treatment. Now, you don't from a disciplinary point of view, treat a senior executive the way you would an hourly paid worker. The grievance procedure, which you have for your hourly paid workers, your unionized staff, is not something that gives you trouble because the union is there to look after it and it works well for you. But that procedure, again, would not suit the chief executive. So you can cut down, you can streamline the procedure for the applicable group that you are using it for. The next thing you need to be careful of is the use of these broad definitions um, which say a grievance is any feeling of dissatisfaction. 
Well, I think you need some limitation to that because that allows people to bring any grievance at all. So hopefully that's covered by your limitations clause. But the next thing you want to bear in mind is to perhaps relook at your grievance submission form and look at the space that you have undoubtedly got saying state outcome desired. Now that's a little self-defeating. As I learned with my children, we had chicken for dinner, roast chicken. I have three children, each one wanted a wing. So if you ask them what part of the chicken they want, one of them is going to be disappointed. They're not going to get what they want. So rather than that, I learned very quickly to tell them what they were getting rather than ask them what they wanted. And it's the same with the grievance procedure. Frequently they will say, I want my manager fired. Now there's no way in the world that you're going to do that. So you need to bear in mind Don't build into your procedure a clause or a set of circumstances which will automatically allow or prevent the outcome that the person wants to have. The next point that I want to make, you will find if you go online and you look at some current overseas disciplinary procedures, they don't have a clause saying, we undertake you will never be victimized for raising something. Because, in fact, they undertake just the opposite. They say, if you use this in bad faith, or if you use it in order to pursue a personal vendetta, then we're going to take disciplinary action. So you may think of a way, and there are many easy ways, of putting that down in your procedure. And the last thing I want to say to you, make it clear in your procedure that, in point of fact, it stops when management says no. In other words, the person can't keep on resubmitting the same grievance again and again or play the game with you where whatever you try to do to resolve the matter, they simply say no uh, and say effectively, go back and bring me another solution. I don't like that. There comes a point when you say, well, that's too bad. Do what you need to do. Well, that, of course, could encompass a possible referral to the CCMA. But once again, The grounds for referral are reasonably uh, circumscribed and I would have nothing to fear insofar as those are concerned. My final word, I think, is just to say always take the grievance submitted for what it's worth when you get it and look at it. Don't merely reject it out of hand because there may be a grain of truth in it. And certainly if it looks at anything like sexual harassment or bullying or racism, Uh, You just can't afford to let that one go. And if it does appear to be grounded, then you will do something about it. On the other hand, if it doesn't, then perhaps a short discussion with the employee concerned to explain what the grievance procedure is and isn't for will help you along your way. Some thoughts about a grievance procedure. Let me leave you with that. Uh, Once again, just to remind you, we're here, Andrew Levy Employment, to look after research, advice, and all manner of labour-related issues, and if we could help you, uh, we would be delighted to do so. Have a look at our website, be in touch with us, simply give me a call. Thanks. Take care. Talk to you soon. You've been listening to another production from Solid Gold Podcasts.